Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Bill Werner has a recap of some of the state's top stories. Last year's housing market was a mixed bag. What can we expect this upcoming year? And a golden gopher love story with a fairy tale ending. But first, U.S. Senator Tina Smith is urging the Biden administration to ensure easy access to at-home COVID testing. I recently spoke with Senator Smith about the importance of making these rapid at-home tests available to the public. Well, getting access to COVID testing has been a big problem from the beginning of this pandemic. It's been so frustrating, especially over the last few months when there hasn't been nearly enough um, rapid at-home testing on the shelves for people. And (laughs) this is something that I have been pushing on for months and months and months. So I'm really glad that we are finally going to be making some progress here. And I want to just let people know what's going to be happening. Um, The first thing is that The Biden administration is taking aggressive action to increase testing supply. You know, we've seen this huge surge, many, many times greater demand for tests um, over the last several months. And when uh, so we are now have on the available about 300 million at home tests a month, but that's not enough. So we are, the Biden administration is using the Defense Production Act to expand supply Um, invested a lot of money to get more supply built up, and this is going to help to get tests out to people. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want people to know about is that starting this weekend, the administration is requiring insurance companies to cover the cost of rapid in-home tests um, if you have have insurance and with no out-of-pocket charges to you. This is something that I've been pushing for for a long time. And this will mean that if you have insurance through your employer or um, through Minsure, you will be able to go to the pharmacy where you normally get your prescriptions filled and can uh, get a test and be either reimbursed by your insurance company or I think soon just not even have to pay out of pocket at all and just present a card and be able to get that test, um, you know, eight, up to eight tests a month um, per person um, at no cost. So that's a big deal also. Obviously, this is something that is very important to people, especially as we see Omicron surging. So what has been the, what has been the main reason for delays in getting the, the, the proper amount of tests out for the demand? Well, it is so frustrating that the tests at the time when people are hearing that they should be testing frequently to not be able to get access to tests or to have those tests be so expensive. And what's happened, basically, is that you know, last year, um, Americans, you know, when, we, when, the, when President Biden came into office, there were zero um, at-home rapid tests. Today, there are almost 300 million tests a month, but it still isn't enough. So what needed to happen is manufacturers needed to ramp up the supply, and that is happening. It has just not happened at the pace that we need. This is going to be changing in the coming weeks. Um, and I'm glad to say that we're going to be seeing more tests available in schools and more tests available for people to, to get now free through their insurance um, so that they can get, the, get, the, get these tests. And the, thing, the reason that this matters is that when you have access to these rapid in-home tests, you have another tool 
for keeping your family safe and knowing what you can and can't do that's safe. And I think helping people to get a little bit better back to normal as this as we live through this uh, this Omicron surge. I suppose that it, it, it's kind of common sense, but one of the keys here is that even though uh, we might be having more access to the test, the accuracy of the test is going to matter as well. What kind of uh, quality control is in place to make sure that the tests are actually uh, accurate? These tests um, are that will be covered um, and, and are being manufactured all have um, authorization from the Food and Drug Administration to make sure that they are um, are accurate and that they work. And so that is, of course, really, really important. Now, as the virus mutates, the tests, you know, we have to continually go back to make sure that the tests are um, catching these new mutations. And I think that we need to understand that there is some higher risk. It seems some of the data is showing that there might be some higher risk of false false negatives with um, tests with the Omicron variant, but it still can give you um, a very good read on what your status is. And this is important right right now because sometimes we're finding that people don't have any symptoms, but they still may be infectious. So that's why I think having access to this is just another tool is really important. Of course, if you don't feel, if you feel sick, um, you should stay home <laughs> and uh, take care of yourself and not just, you know, rely on what your body is telling you as well as what the test may be telling you. You know, Senator, here in the Twin Cities, we had uh, the mayors of Minneapolis and St. Paul just this week uh, say that they were going to be imposing a, a mandate for um, having proof of vaccination or a, a test showing that you are negative for COVID to go to restaurants and things like Wild Games and uh, Timberwolves Games. Uh, that's got a lot of folks saying, uh, here we go again here with the mandates. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I think that in this moment, especially with Omicron, the good news is that the Omicron variant appears to, the data is saying, make most people less sick. And of course, if you are vaccinated and boosted, which everybody should do, um, you are much less likely to get so sick that you require hospitalization or that even worse would happen. So I think the encouragement to get those vaccinations done and to get that boost if you haven't been boosted is really important. Another thing I would say is that there's a lot of good data that shows that wearing a um, an N95 mask, that kind of you know more um, you know stronger mask, also is very helpful in stopping the spread of the virus, which is what we're trying to do right now. Is our you know, our healthcare system is um, overloaded. And I've talked to a lot of people even just today who are saying, I'm kind of the only person at work because, uh, you know, at the radio station, because everybody else is home in quarantine. So um, it's it's just, a, it's deeply challenging for people and so frustrating. And I think it produces a lot of worry and anxiety, especially if you're trying to find out what to do with your your children. And, you know, Minneapolis, for example, you know, we're back to at-home learning for another couple of weeks. So, uh, it's, uh, it, you know, these are really, really difficult times. Thank you to my guest, U.S. Senator Tina Smith. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. 
Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Ranger Station. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting in the forest. Uh-huh. One second I'm having a smoke. Next thing I know, I'm face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Wow. And he told me it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. Did you know nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous and you're not. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The ramp-up of COVID Omicron cases in Minnesota, coupled with lawmakers' run-up to the 2022 legislative session, which begins in two weeks, prompted a flurry of political activity this week, and MNN's Bill Werner joins us with a recap. Scott, what got things going was Governor Tim Walz asking the legislature's COVID-19 Response Commission to authorize $40 million in federal American rescue funds to bring about 300 nurses from a national staffing agency into Minnesota for 60 days to ease the hospital staffing crunch. Thank you, Governor. Thank you, Commissioner. What was just announced is a much-needed troop of folks who will come in and help take care of Minnesotans who are affected with COVID. That's Centricare CEO Dr. Ken Holman. The governor acknowledged there's competition earlier for federal medical teams and now for contract nurses. However, he says... We've been one step ahead of a lot of states. I got numerous calls from governors first asking how we got those teams from DOD and then asking why are you keeping them longer because we need them now type of thing. The same thing is true of what we're doing with this. Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm says the nurse staffing company that the state is working with. This firm uh, has a large number of nurses under contract who, who already have Minnesota licenses. Um, we have stipulated to them that it's not okay to just take a, a nurse from regions that also has a a contract with the staffing firm and call that a, an ad. One day later, nurses across Minnesota had a mass Zoom call to highlight the staffing crunch in Minnesota hospitals, which they say is long-term and made even worse by COVID. Nurse Allie Marcanti. These patients that are on my unit are sicker than they ever have been, and yet the focus still from the moment a patient enters a hospital is, how can we get this patient discharged? It is a constant revolving door, and staff and patients are treated as numbers and dollar signs. Shannon Cunningham with the Minnesota Nurses Association says she does not think nurses will resent that the governor plans to bring in extra nurses for 60 days. But Cunningham says Minnesota has over 118,000 nurses registered with the state board, and... There are a lot of them who are not working right now because of the conditions in hospitals. Meanwhile, Senate Republicans proposed an immediate special session to approve law changes that would allow nurses licensed in certain other states, which are members of a compact, to come to Minnesota to work. They contend it's a way to immediately relieve pressure on hospitals and care facilities. House Speaker Democrat Melissa Hortman fired back Republicans' real intent. It was a callous political move to try to just uh, take a strike at the nurses' union. And we see right through that, and the governor sees right through that. It was a busy week on the municipal political front as well. Duluth Mayor Emily Larson used her emergency powers to implement a 30-day mask mandate for all indoor public spaces, which began Friday at 5 p.m., 
And the mayor said she does not make public policy based on emails, social media, or commentaries in the newspapers. And Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry and St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter this week simultaneously announced proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test no more than 72 hours old will be required to enter bars, restaurants, and other entertainment venues beginning January 19th. 26th for ticketed events. This is a a critical next step to avoid closures. We want to stay open and we need to stay safer. Mayor Fry pointed to the COVID surge causing pileups at testing sites and overwhelming hospitals. Minnesota Republican Party Chairman David Hand says vaccination and testing mandates in Minneapolis and St. Paul are another punch in the gut for Minnesotans. He says, quote, It is time for the public to say enough is enough and reject this government overreach at the polls this fall. And about a day after the mayor's announced vaccination and testing mandates, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down President Biden's vaccine testing and mask mandate for large employers, although the justices allowed it to stand for most health care workers. Minnesota Chamber VP Vicki Stuti says they're pleased with the high court's decision and restraint. And continue to believe that employers across Minnesota know best how to manage their workplaces and keep their employees and their customers safe. Republicans at the Minnesota legislature also cheered the court ruling, but Representative Steve Draskowski from Mazeppa says the U.S. Supreme Court's legal reasoning leaving the mandate in place for health workers does not make sense. Draskowski says over 700 Mayo Clinic employees were fired because of the mandate and calls the high court's ruling selective constitutionality. A civil rights leader who fought for more than half a century and cleared a path for so many of us, said Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan about American Indian Movement co-founder Clyde Belcourt, who died this week at his home in Minneapolis at the age of 85. Belcourt told Twin Cities PBS in an interview in the 1990s that Ames Genesis was a late 1960s study of Indian conditions and one of the most dramatic statistics. That we had a suicidal rate seven times the national average, something that was virtually unknown in pre-Columbus days. So it was the basis of that study and that information that brought about the formation of the American Indian movement. New Brighton Democrat Mary Kunish, the first indigenous woman to serve in the Minnesota Senate, says Belcourt and its fellow AIM founders risked much to stand up for their values and demand that racism stop. All of those things really left a huge impression on on almost any Native person. I mean, it, when people speak of him, you know, and use his name, it's with reverence. He wasn't looking for... Uh, popularity or notoriety. He was doing it because he recognized the injustices that were done to our Native folks, and he wanted to put them right or make good changes. Belcourt told Twin Cities PBS he saw himself as the diplomat among the founders of the American Indian movement, but despite that... It has to be tough, you know, we got to get out. You know, we're, we're such a small minority that we knew that we had to carry our struggle into the streets. We had to become vocal. You know, we had to use whatever means necessary to change these uh, conditions that, that we live under. Prominent Native American activist Winona LaDuke with Honor the Earth says Belcourt was a leader for seven decades in his commitment to the dignity of Indian people. LaDuke says Belcourt and fellow founders of the American Indian movement, which came out of Minneapolis. They changed how we look at Indian people. 
and, and you know, laid the foundation so we could all stand up. Really, really remarkable what Clyde did. His leadership through all these years, really, you know, changed that narrative. Belcourt said in that interview from the 1990s that the children at that time are the seventh generation of the American Indian movement. In our prophecies, it says that the seventh generation is where our, our leadership and our strength and our knowledge and wisdom and everything will come back. I sincerely believe in that, and I think it would be good for all of America to start believing that way. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The 2021 housing market was a mixed bag for prospective home buyers. So what can buyers and sellers expect in 2022? Tasha Radel has some answers. Although mortgage rates reached record lows early in 2021, supply shortages drove insurmountable competition and caused home prices to skyrocket. But there's good news for those who waited to buy a house until 2022. Housing supply and demand is expected to move towards stability, which will cool off competition as buyers have more options to consider. Joining me now is Chris Galler, Executive Director of Minnesota Realtors. Chris, before I ask you to take out your crystal ball for 2022, let's look over the past year. What did the landscape look like? Sure. The past year was a good year again for most home sellers. Uh, Home buyers got what they wanted, but probably had to settle a little bit or work really hard to get it because of multiple offers and a significant inventory shortage. Um, Prices overall were up. uh, So homeowners, again, did really well there. Um, inventory uh, or median sales prices were up 11.5% for 2021, and that's a 28% increase over the last three years. So we've really seen some prices go up, and that's really related to uh, low inventory levels, high buyer demand, and low interest rates. We had record low interest rates last year. Were there any markets uh, across Minnesota that did better? Um A little bit, we saw quite a bit of activity up in uh, the Brainerd-Baxter area. St. Cloud did really well. Uh, Metro area did well. Chris, now I'm going to ask you to take out your uh, crystal ball or your magic eight ball, whatever you want to call it. Any projections on what housing market trends we might see here in 2022? Yeah, uh Going into the spring, I think you'll see three things. One, I think the competition is going to ease a little bit, and we'll have a little bit more housing supply than we've had in the past. I think we're going to see mortgage interest rates go up a little bit, and that's going to hurt some first-time home buyers, especially on the lower end. Uh, but we do anticipate that home prices will continue to rise next year. They just won't rise at near the level that they did this year. You hit on housing inventory a little bit. Uh, as we know, the past couple of years, uh, it was not a buyer's market. So do you feel that uh, those folks will have more options this new year? Yeah, I think you're going to see two things. You're going to see builders are going to be really active out in the marketplace. They've got some of their supply chains have eased up a little bit, which is going to help them. They've got more lots that were developed. It takes about a year to get a lot to market. So when new housing developments, you know, from planning to actually being able to build a house on it, it takes about a year. So we're into that part of it. 
And then we're hoping that the labor shortage uh, is going to help a little bit and they'll be able to build on that level. Also, we anticipate that baby boomers uh, are going to start moving. Now that the things are a little more stabilized in the economy and across social networks, we believe that they'll start to move and they're going to be looking for some of those new builder homes that have first floor owner suites. Chris, it seems like the past couple of years, it really was a seller's market, property owners getting multiple offers and oftentimes well, well, well over the asking price. With inventory expected to improve this year, will buyers see an advantage? We are anticipating with especially the mortgage interest rates going up and more inventory that home prices will not go up you know, as they did last year, 11.4%. We anticipate probably closer to whatever the inflation rate is will be where interest rates or where home prices will end up. Thanks again to my guest, Chris Galler, Executive Director of Minnesota Realtors. For more information, head to their website at minnesotarealtor.com. That's minnesotarealtor.com. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Your surgery is over. Oh, it's over? What happened? Hi, Mr. Detweiler. Dr. Newman here. You have a new knee. It went great. You'll be up and around before you know it. And it's all because of you. Uh, what did I do? You were captain of Team Detweiler. You told us everything we needed to know. Your medical history, your allergies and prescription meds. You asked me tons of questions. What your options to surgery might be, what to expect during recovery. You even asked me how many knee replacements I've already done. Huh, I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? Mr. Detweiler, we couldn't have done it without you. Patient safety. It takes a team. And patient involvement is key. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. With more tips at orthoinfo.org slash patient safety. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. There was a recent wedding proposal that has Minnesota sports fans buzzing. Minnesota Lynx guard Rachel Bannum was proposed to by former Golden Gopher guard Andre Hollins on New Year's Eve. The proposal took place on the court at Williams Arena, where Bannum also was a star. In fact, Bannum is the all-time leading scorer for the Golden Gopher women, accounting for 3,093 points. Her fiancé, Andre Hollins, scored 1,765 points in his Gopher career, the fifth most points of any Gopher men's player ever. That means the lovely couple has combined for more than 4,800 points. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm caught up with Bantam during halftime of a recent men's basketball game to find out more about the couple's special night. First of all, a hearty congratulations. It's awesome. Uh, two of my all-time favorite Gophers have uh, gotten engaged. Andre Hollins, who, of course, is working with the Gopher men's team. You're with the Minnesota Lynx and the WNBA. Uh, what was that like the other night? Uh, he popped the question right on this very floor. <laughs> it was really special. Um, I was definitely caught very off guard. I had no idea it was coming. Um, he did a really good job surprising me. He usually can't sneak those things past me, but he did really good. It was really special to do it in the barn, the place that we love, and, you know, where we met. 
there was some trickeration involved too, right? They brought you in. You, you, I mean, you were you dressed up. You thought you were going to be on TV, and, and maybe that was all part of it. Maybe they did need that. I don't know. But they were interviewing you about uh, Final Four and women's basketball, and uh, he sneaked in behind. And uh, the next thing you know, you're engaged. Yeah, it was it was definitely a fake interview. I thought it was very real, so I prepared myself accordingly. And it definitely wasn't real, Mike. It was it was kind of funny. Well, I, I thought you did a great job. So if people want to see, they can go onto social media, you know, Twitter or what have you. I know the links tweeted out a video the go for sports uh, uh twitter feed uh sent out a video of it as well yeah. so um and then did you guys go out and have a little uh, celebration dinner as well yeah it was he actually did it on new year's eve so it was perfect my sister was here um and my two best friends were in town so it was awesome we just hung out got some food you know and just played games just had a good time Norm normal night for us but it was really <laughs> special so well, you think about all the points you guys have scored. Uh, you have to be the most prolific uh, golfer scoring couple in history now, right? <laughs> I like the things, though. I think we are. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Goes for 40. And why not put the exclamation on it? 41 points. This game will stay forever on his DVR. Golfer's got a hustle. Ben on a deep three. Man, oh, man. Rachel Banna has put up 50 in Evanston. So take us all the way back to the beginning. Obviously, you guys were in school together. How did you guys meet, and how did uh, how did this romance get uh, started up? Yeah, we we met her. Well, we met her freshman year coming in. You know, all the athletes meet each other, um, and we were just friends. And then we dated our sophomore year. I don't even remember how it kind of really started. I think just being in the basketball world and seeing each other all the time, we we're kind of like, oh, he's cute, she's cute. <laughs> and then the, the guys on their team, my, the girls on my team, are like, you guys would be a cute couple. And then it just kind of worked out that way. Obviously, he's a great guy. So, um, yeah. Yeah, we just were attracted to that, and it's been love ever since, I guess. Yeah, yeah here you are. And, of course, uh, you guys have both kind of played in different areas, and, uh, you know, I'm sure at times it's a long-distance relationship. At times, I suppose, uh, you watch him playing overseas when he was doing that, and he mm -hmm. was able to watch you in the WNBA, and uh, think of all the places that basketball's been able to take you guys. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. I think basketball's, for us, you know, it was like our first love growing up. It's something we always wanted to do, and obviously that, that helped me, uh, bring us together, and it's something we always want to be a part of, and we've always support each other in that and hopefully in the future we'll continue to be involved in basketball in one way or another if it's not playing uh, coaching or however. Well let's talk about the Minnesota Lynx here if we can for a minute to kind of take us through what the offseason looks like for you and uh, uh, you know before you know it will be uh, it'll be warm again I know you guys play that spring summer season uh, yeah. what are your hopes for uh, this basketball team? Yeah well this offseason um, I'm in Minnesota I'm doing a little coaching I do skills and development stuff for uh, youth teams and some high school teams otherwise I'm just working out doing what I always do getting in the gym um, for this season it should be a good one it's gonna be a big summer I mean the WNBA has grown so much every single season so it's getting more and more competitive but we had a really good season last year um, you know just got to keep building off of that and hopefully get to a championship yeah and they had kind of have that funky playoff format to the point where I think it's switched right I yeah. think part of I think the way that your season ended probably helped precipitate or start the discussion on yes. maybe we need to change the format here. 100% yep they did change that so now that there's no single elimination that first round that'll be a three game series and then it moves to five game series which is so much better 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and I know you probably keep your eye on the women's program, which, of course, you have, uh, you know, about every page in the record book. And if you don't, then Lindsey Whalen has it. So uh, between you two, I know uh, you have a, a lot of respect. Uh, what do you think of uh, how the Gopher women uh, up to this point are having with their season? Man, they've been fun to watch. It's fun to see them grow. I mean, they have so many new pieces added on and um, so many talented scorers and players on that team. It's been fun to watch. I'm excited to kind of see them dive into Big Ten play because that's when it really starts to heat up. Um, and I know they're going to take that challenge on well. It's, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see more of it. That's Minnesota Lynx guard Rachel Bannum. And that's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.